Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Top of the Card, the five-person wrestling podcast where we're not timely, but we are opinionated, and we're getting better at both, but it's it's a crazy one. There's a lot, but it is Top of the Card. Top of the Card pod on Twitter. It's available on iTunes, on Spotify, on everywhere you find it. Wherever you found it, that's where it is. We'll appreciate you listening to that. I am your co-host, Scott. Not joining us yet is CT, so it's only four now. He will be here later, hopefully. We've said this before and he didn't show up, but he was busy. That's always more important. Keep that in mind. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if he's there. But the GMSG, you're here. How are you doing today? I'm good. Tired. It's been a long two months. I'm ready for another crazy month of wrestling because we have like eight shows the next month. And we've already had too much to talk about just with two shows. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, it's easily the longest list of topics that I've come up with. Even though a lot of them are little bits here and there, it's like, hmm, everything's kind of interesting in its own way. And that's, like you said, based on two shows and then, what, three TV shows since? So, yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, Red, how about you? How are you doing? I'm good. I am uh, I got my nap in, so I'm actually pretty energized for tonight. <laughs> so, it should be good. And Bear me, what about you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself, Scott? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not tired. I had no nap, but I'm good. Uh, and jokingly, we were just mentioning beforehand, uh, it's cold. Uh, it's actually five degrees here. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is colder than I am right now with their 30s, which is about zero Celsius, which makes me laugh a little bit, even though it'll be like minus five in about two hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's fun times. It's, you know, late October-ish, 19th. Yes, it is Dynamite Night, even though that was last night. We've got that to talk about, um, uh, including many other things. And yes, there's some New Japan stuff, and we, we're going to earmark that for when CT gets back. But let, let's dive in, guys, because we've got literally a dozen topics of stuff that, you know, it might bounce around, it might get out of order, but we try to go chronologically. So we kind of la- left off last time talking about the upcoming pay-per-views, Bound for Glory and Extreme Rules. And there's a whole lot that's happened since, so let's jump in with that double shot, because it was Bound for Glory Friday night and Extreme Rules on Saturday. We're not going to be like, oh, this whole event, let's break it all down. No, we're, we're not We're not going to do that. We, we don't. We try not to do that. We just talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. I'm just going to say for both shows, I really liked both. They were both quite good. Uh, I was uh, unsurprisingly disappointed in Alexander versus Edwards because I didn't have high hopes and it didn't really meet anything. That said, it was still a very good match. I just don't really care for Eddie Edwards, especially as a heel. He doesn't really work at all for me. I get it, but that's not what I would have had at my, like, WrestleMania, basically. Because that's what they're bound for. Whatever. I I just, I I didn't care for it much. But it was still a great match overall, like, in and of itself. Uh, The whole thing was nuts. Like, I I don't want to dive too much into anything specifically, but... Well, I mean, I do here and there, but, like, not go match by match. There wasn't really anything bad as far as matches. Like, everything kind of worked. Everything w- was good. Like, even, like, the knockouts tag, which we had trouble with before, that was good. Uh, bear me, I'm going to go to you first just for this part, but Jordan Grace, good lord, she's transformed herself in a Walter Gunther-like way, right? Like, that's... That's nuts what she's been able to pull off, kind of under the radar in a way, because you see her at a taping... And that's two months worth of tapings on a weekend. And then she shows up two months later and good Lord, it looks like a different person. 
Yeah, yeah, she really has it's been uh, transforming herself in a very good way because she's been working hard at it, and this is what she's been wanting to do. The match between her and Masha was really good, and I'm glad that she picked up the win. I also enjoyed uh, Kazarian and Speedball, Mike Bailey. I thought that match ruled too. Ending kind of sucked because Newsflash Speedball didn't win. I'm sorry. It's it's after the spoiler thing, so. Yeah, uh, I thought overall, though, it was a great show because I thought it was one of their better pay-per-views in a long time. Like, match-wise, there wasn't a clunker on the card, like you said. So there's just some questionable decisions, like Impact's going to impact, like the Agazarian win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll get to the Collier Shot Gauntlet with Bully Ray. I don't really know why that happened, but maybe you can shed some light on that and why you think they did that, because I have no idea. I'll just say right, right off the bat. Really good... Yeah, Bully Ray, <laughs> is the really... most. he was the most over person there. He he was yeah. like, just like at the NWA show, uh, I think it was night two of seventy uh, four, their anniversary show. He was easily the most over person of both nights. Like I watched both, and he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. But he's that good; he can do that. Is he really someone you want to have in world championship positions in twenty twenty two? No, that's why the right. the tables match against Mike Knox was perfect. It's like it's an attraction. That's good. yes, that that works well. He you won the call. Your shot. Yeah. Yeah. He, he won the call your shot, which means he went one-on-one at the end with Steve Macklin and pinned him clean. That's now, stupid. That's so dumb. Yeah, two weeks after Macklin won that uh, Monsters Ball, or whatever it was, the Full Metal Mayhem against Moose and Callahan. So, like, Macklin, that should have been him. He should be out there going for it. And they've even had Impact taping since. And, it, I mean, I'm going to spoil a little bit. It airs tomorrow night, but Macklin's still gunning for that title shot. That's all I'll say for that. Uh, so like, yeah. that's not like he's not out of the running, but Bully Ray can cash in, and they tease that at the end of the show. But you know he's a good guy, and he said I'm going to be the best challenger you ever had to Alexander, and I want to see Bully versus Alexander because I want to see Alexander have a great match with him. It will be fun. Do I think Bully will win? I'm scared. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But you mentioned Kazarian. He's yeah. got the X Division title. Impact's already announced. It says he will yep. relinquish the title on Thursday. Option C is a thing. So he's going after it. Like, it's neither of these guys are from the roster. I get it. I'm scared. Bully Ray, Bully Ray is a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best tag team wrestlers ever. He is a two-time world champion. He probably should have been a little more when you really look at what Bully was. And Like, I'm, I'm not hating on that. But we've kind of moved on from that, too, in a way. Like, it's, it's just weird. Jim, I to go to you to this. You were noticing this with him, Raven in the Hall of Fame, not being in there, but Dreamer being there also in Rhino. They, they weren't the ones in Philly, though. That was WWE the next night. The thing is, going into the show, I think this might have been the least excited Impact pay-per-view in the last few years for me. Like, I did not care about any match going in at all it was a good show i just i just had no investment to anything i think it's bad i think we all felt that way ray you can probably chime in on this too like none of us were really like i'm hyped for this show like we were like conf i I said it i was confident it would be good and we will enjoy it I, i had no doubt in that but it wasn't like man this is must see like nothing stood out to me uh, this wasn't a Alpha Glory 
type Bound for Glory show. It felt like a very good plus, almost to the point of almost just a typical recording because, like you said, not any matches screamed like, I need to tune in for this. I mean, uh, Masha and Jordan was okay, like, to kind of build towards it. I also don't watch a lot of Impact, so what I know is what I see on the internet. But that one I was fine for. Eddie Edwards doesn't scream for me. I I'm not a big fan of the Kingdom coming back and facing Motor City Machine Guns, which I thought broke up and retired. I guess they're still a thing. Like it, it felt very meh of a booking show. And to be fair, Impact did Impact things, and they actually entertained us throughout the entire show. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't a bad show. It's just the build and hype for it was not that big compared to the past Battle Glories we've had. I mean. I think it was last year, we were just ready for... Who did Josh face? Christian. Uh, was Christian? Yeah. And that seemed big, and then Moose capped it off at the end of the night and just made it a moment of a show. Night, or Bound for Glory night, it didn't feel like a big show. It just felt like a... I mean, they, what do they call... They said this is supposed to be their mania of the yeah. year, and it didn't feel like it. It is their biggest show. They even opened it saying this is our biggest show of the year. So... No, I, I I agree with a lot of that. It was lackluster build for me. Like I said, I don't care much for Edwards. Mash is rather new. I know of her, but I, I'm like, I'm not really familiar. Uh, that said, I know CT loved it. Masha versus Jordan might be my match of the night. <laughs> like, I know B Bailey and Kazarian was fantastic. Speedball was just, he's so good. And that match ruled the start, but... I think Masha and Jordan won me over as that match went. Because I remember even saying, like, I, I'm just not feeling it. And then I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> uh, hell, even the Kingdom. The Kingdom won me over. I think they're kind of bland. But they're, they're really good, but they're not, like, next level. They kind of got there during it, I felt. So there, there were moments there, too. But and I know I'm forgetting some other matches, obviously. There's other stuff. But it honestly, two weeks ago, Bear Me, we were more hyped for that Victoria. Victor, yeah, Victoria. Victory Road than we were for this based on just that triple threat alone and a few of the other matches were like this is interesting like jordan grace versus maxi impaler heck yeah that was like yeah, yeah i want to see that okay yeah sure like there, there's so much crazy to that macklin moose and callahan and barbed yeah. wire match barbed wire massacre fire great match that's what it was yeah no, it wasn't full metal it was barbed wire yeah that's right mm -hmm. but like i said overall it was a really great show in, in, in despite itself, in, in almost as a way. But like I said, we, we didn't think it would be like, oh man, this show's going to suck. Nah. We, we've learned by now with Impact. They're, they're reliable to put on a good show. Already hyped for Hard to Kill January 13th. Just with the idea it's Friday the 13th, I'm on board already. Like, have fun with that. Let, let's, let's do some crazy stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what they do for that. But, uh, but honestly, Overdrive in mid-November is their Impact Plus show. And if they do something like, even if it's Alexander versus Bully, or it's Alexander versus Kazarian, and presumably something for the relinquished X Division title, I'm already more interested in that than I am, or than I was for Mount Valori. Like I, it just seems so backwards. It's 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 weird, but that's that one. We'll surely get CT's opinions on Bully when he gets in. But let's go to the next night with Extreme Rules. This one, meanwhile, we were all super hyped for. And I think unanimously, it was Imperium versus Brutes, which is how they opened. And oh my god, that match ruled. I don't even want to talk about the rest of it yet. That was so much fun. 
let's go back to red on that. What, what were your your feelings here? I'll agree. The uh, the first match kicked off the show. It was hard hitting. It was what Extreme Rules should be. I'm very happy for the fact that every match had a stipulation. There was no fillers, just one on ones. Every match had a stip. As little as the strap match. I mean, that was my weakest match of the night. But the Brawling Brutes Imperium, hard hitting, just flying all over the match. Not so much huge on the weapons and the outside stuff, but the fact that they just destroyed each other and gave their all. They kicked the show off with a great night, and then, I mean, I don't know how soon we want to talk about it. The closing of the show just made everybody happy, in my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, we can kind of... Not the final match, but yeah. uh, afterwards. We can kind of talk about... I, I, it's silly idea to be like, what were your thoughts on the event with this one match? Oh, let's open that up. There was a ladder match. There was the fight pit. There was the Brutes in the Donnybrook. Uh, I will obviously forget them as I try to do them off the cuff. Extreme Rules match, like, everything was a bit different, like you said. And that's, I, I've said this many, many times, when you have producers involved in this stuff and actually making sure this match is different from that match, I quit matches the other one, everything's a bit different. So this one's going to be a little more sinister and story-driven, like Edge versus Balor. You're going to have a ladder match, which is obviously ladder, so they're going to go nuts with that. You got the fight pit, which is the cage and the big spots up top. The I quit match... Uh, that would, like I said, that was the more story-driven. But the extreme rules was just brutality with weapons because they're cutting loose, and the brutes was just let's have a bar fight around the ring because that's th- that it was all tailored to everybody's style too, and that's I've said this before. But producers will look at it and go, okay, you guys are going to do this type of match. Don't use a ladder because the girls got it for their ladder match. Like we, we've seen that. I've said it with Impact, with NWA. Everybody else does this to an extent where you'll see a spot where there's, like, blood. And then there's a first blood match later. Well, it's lessened over here because you beat them to the punch. It, it ruins it. you got to stagger it. So we didn't see anything... Like, they didn't do anything to ruin spots later because those were all new spots all through the night. And I thought that was fantastic. And yes, of course, the White Rabbit will break. We'll save that for the end of the discussion on this. Let's talk about the matches for right now. Um, Jimmy C., what about you for this? Actually, sorry, no. Hold on. Red... We talked about the one match. What were your thoughts with the rest of it? Was Brutes and Imperium your match of the night, or did something else surpass yeah. that? It did, okay. Oh, no, that was the match of the night. The rest of them were, I mean, I wasn't a fan of the, okay, I'll explain this one. This is probably, I hated the most. Ronda Rousey and Liv Morgan. I did not like the finish. I felt Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey were not selling each other's moves. It would take hits and just walk around like they weren't being touched. And I understand now that the Liv Morgan thing is a character change. Do not be smiling when you're being put into a submission. It for me, it killed it. Oh, it see, made me feel like she was like kinky. She, wasn't she was in pain. like, nah, she was into it though. That was what it was. And some people are like that, but the yeah. way I saw it was she was smiling like she was being tickled. And in that moment, you're supposed to be like being choked out. No, nah. I mean up I in get a pretzel. It. Yeah, you should be in pain, not smiling. And again, it's starting to feel a little. Um, I don't know the NXT guy's last name, but J.D. McCunnan? McDonough. Jordan Devlin. Like, he smiles when he gets punched. And, like, I get it's kind of like that, what they were going for. But the whole match leading up to that, like I said, there was moments where Liv was hitting Ronda in the back with a, a kendo stick, and Ronda's just, like, rolling into the ring like she wasn't being touched. It, 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 they I, were I, not selling each other's moves for being injury-prone or anything like that. No. It's just, like, they wanted to get this yeah. match done and out of the way. I, I wouldn't say that. 
I, I know because I've seen clips of it, and they are definitely reacting to being hit. And I've seen dozens of matches where people get hit and they like run away into the ring. Like that is a common thing. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Let, let's just preface that. But I didn't see it that way. I didn't see it like. To be fair, Liv hasn't shown any indication that she's into that. So that's a weird character thing. I, I can get that. But I thought it was obvious that she's like, she's into it. It's like, oh, okay. She's, ooh, okay. This is a weird twist. Cool, cool, cool. But to be fair, on the other sides, every other time she's in a submission by Ronda, she's in pain and she's even tapped during a pin. So it's inconsistent. I, I'm, I'm on board with you there for that, for that part. Um, but there's times when they're getting hit and they're wincing and they're reacting to it. Yeah, they're still walking around. Like, it's not like it's a, it's a baseball bat. It's a kendo stick. Like I said, I, I, if that's how you took it, fair enough. Like, they, they failed you there. I, I do get that and I understand that. I'm not going to say anything wrong there, definitely. Now, GMST, go over to you for this one. What were your thoughts on this stuff? I mean, overall, this was definitely WWE's probably best card of the year other than, like, the Big Five. Like, this was an insane B-level pay-per-view. Brutes and Imperium were definitely my match of the night, but... Gotta say, Edge versus uh, Balor was pretty close because they had us completely going other directions the entire match. That storytelling, I felt, was masterful because the moment they handcuffed him, we all knew the ending. But then he got out of the handcuffs. Well, now what? And we thought then the they still went there. Yeah. yeah, they still went there. Like they still did what we expected, but not how. Oh, it's perfect. What? I mean, people were thinking, like, Beth is going to get hit. Like, and they, they did exactly what everyone predicted, but not the way you would have thought. That's all I ask. There, there's no harm in doing things that are cliche. But just mix it up a little bit. Get some false finishes. And they did it in an I Quit match. I, I love that. Sadly, Riddle and Seth and then, like, Drew and Cross were just felt off for me. They were good matches. I just I wasn't invested in the way they were doing them, I guess. Uh, Drew and Cross. I like the opening for Drew and Cross, where Cross refused to put it on, and they had a fight until they started it. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of like that. That was a twist on it, a way to do it. Like, no, nah, screw you. I'm not doing this. Okay, now I'll do it. But it was flipped because he had to because Drew beat him up for a bit. Um, uh, Seth and and Rollins. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I know CT didn't like the roof, like the the paneling on the the upper part of it. <laughs> it looked weird. I remember he ta- him talking about that, but. I like that match a lot. I like the the look of it, the style. They need to get a camera in there, uh, or at least cut holes like they do for the cell, because it was hard to see for the start of it. It eventually uh, throw the focus, so the fencing was out of focus and you could see through it, like clearly. It, it was it was a good camera technique there. Again, n- nothing wrong with those. I like them a lot, but yeah, I I I get the like. When we're saying it's a weak match, it's still like. Even, like, a 7 out of 10 is not bad. And I'd say these were 8s. So, like, not, nothing really was a failure outright. But, yeah. No, there wasn't a bad match, I think, on both shows. That was the yeah. interesting interesting thing. They were all great, or, like, good matches. Just a lot didn't stand out, I would say. And the, the latter match, I know, that was pretty incredible how that went, too. Um, I was all on board with that. It was really, really good. Really, really well done. I know, Bear Me, you're a big fan of both, so go to you for that one and the card as well yeah i'm a big fan of both bailey and bianca and i'm glad that bianca retained it's just i wish that she wouldn't have disposed of damage control so easily because she just did a double kod to eo and dakota and then they were just not seen for the rest of the match 
But it also had me worry that they were going to come back in and screw out the title, even though I was pretty confident Bianca was going to retain. I just kind of hope that she's not really getting the job. Well, you know, it's kind of like she's almost getting the John Cena thing where she, she can just take out everybody on her own, which I like. I mean, I'm one of the biggest Bianca Belair fans there is, so I'm cool with it, but I know a lot of people probably wouldn't be cool with it. As for the rest of the card, yes, Brutes versus Imperium, match of the night. Like Sheamus says, banger after banger after banger. It they can't do anything wrong. You could have these guys feud for the next year and I would I would watch every match and be into it. I would not get tired of it because everybody in that ring is just so good. Ronda versus Liv I thought was pretty good. I, I actually did like the ending. It wasn't from what Ronda said, it wasn't actually supposed to be the original ending. She's supposed to be like in thumbtacks or whatever, but they decided you couldn't do thumbtacks, so that's weird. But yeah, she's yeah, gonna be and, slammed on the thumbtacks and then get the submission, and yeah, with the her, and like, yeah. You can, like bite her hand, but she's still like increasing the pressure on the tacks. Like I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I like the sound yeah. of that. That would have been cool, but yeah, yeah, that would have been a way better finish. Riddle and Rollins was all right. It was pre- actually I, I liked it. It was decent. Cross versus McIntyre is what it was. Like I, like I said, I did like the first part where Cross refused to put on the the strap or whatnot, but I don't really remember much from that match except for Scarlett getting involved, like, a lot, and especially at the end. But overall, it was it was a great show. Like, I know that after we watched it, we were like, wow, this show is really good, especially, like, for Jim, she said, a B-list pay-per-view. They kind of went all out for it because at the end we got Bray Wyatt. He's back, so, which is amazing, and he's got, like, one of the most watched videos on youtube for wrestling like it's millions upon millions of views for his return and i'm excited to see where this story goes with him because i'm intrigued i don't know what's going to happen i don't know i don't know and his promo on smackdown was really good too but we'll get to that when we get to that but yeah overall great show great i think i was going to mention that seamus uh has a new shirt that says banger after banger after banger after banger i might have to get that it's pretty great (laughs) i'm not gonna lie to you um, it is fun to hear him talk about Butch and Rich Holland, how that he said these, these lads have reinvigorated my career and they're just having so much fun. And you heard the same thing about Randy Orton with Riddle and it's fun you to can see, see that. It. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can see it in their work. It's great. And what is the upcoming cards? I think it's in Europe. It's Imperium versus Usos and Solo. God. Yes. Like. Is that what it was, or was it? No, or was yeah. it? Sorry, was it, it? It was the Brutes versus them. Or I forget who it was. It was Imperium though, because the Brutes are calling them out. Yeah, the Brutes are like, we're we're mm-hmm. starting here, and we're the bloodline starts here. So, it's just everybody's gunning for it as they should. I always like that. So, yeah, it's. I think unanimously that was our match of the night: the Brutes versus Imperium. Just so much fun, so good. We we were yelling, laughing, and loving it when Seamus was doing his uh, brogue hit over the rope and then Butch and Ridge started getting involved also, kicking and punching him. And there was a version in the corner, I forget, that Imperium was doing also with the chops and hits. It's like, yes, these triple T moves, they're so good. It's so much fun. We were losing our minds during it. It was just, that's what we want. We want wrestling to be fun. And it was. And it was great. And then, yeah, let's talk about Bray Wyatt. So... He didn't interfere in a match, which I think we all kind of predicted wrong, even though probably should have figured, yeah, it could have been something else. 
And the promo was was wild because it had different people in the audience as like the Funhouse members come to life, which were wild. And there's photos afterwards. So you can see them. They look really cool. And then the last one was the Fiend Mask person. And then you had the Funhouse shown all covered in cobwebs because it was abandoned, right? And then a man walked out in a new mask, which is similar to the Joker mask MJF had, which is kind of funny in just like a, a, a structural kind of look. But that's the only similarity. It wasn't copying anything. We all know this. But, uh, I was just thinking that, by the way. It was, right? I just realized that. Yeah. yeah, it was. But it wasn't copying. Like, this mask was made forever ago. Like, wasn't it wasn't that but he took it off and it was Bray Wyatt and the ovation for when the man walked out with the lantern was insane and when he took the mask off it was even louder and that was the show now I'll say flat out that was a cool moment in as much as like the Danielson Adam Cole moments were and the punk return like these are all on par these are all incredible and amazing yes uh, the difference I have with this and All Out last year, or was it Full Gear? Now I'm trying to remember. But it's when Danielson and Cole came back. It was All Out. It was Chicago. People were like, oh my god, pay-per-view of the year. Those returns were amazing. I'm like, I'm not going to judge the entire pay-per-view on two returns. Absolutely not. That's insane. Same here. Take that return out. That's still probably my favorite show of the year. <laughs> Put the return in. as extra good. It was extra fun. Oh my god. So, like, that's just my comparison in the two. Abirma, you want to talk about it first. You were you were kind of jonesing for it, so go ahead. Bray Wyatt is back. And the the promo on SmackDown, no less, was so emotional. And yet started to throw in character. And it looks like he might be feuding with his own goddamn self, in a way. <laughs> and if anybody can, it's him. And yes, let's get it out there. One of the clips in the footage was an Eric Rowan mask. And Rowan on indie shows was coming out to the song White Rabbit. That's not confirming anything, but you know how this man works. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, man, where to begin? Yes, he probably is. Like, a lot of people are saying he's running from his own demons and his demons are following him. Maybe that's where this is going. I'm not 100% sure. But his promo that he cut on SmackDown where he's like, you guys, the fans saved my life. Like it was, it really felt like it was actually him, like real life talking to everybody. You know, like he was pouring his heart out into this promo, and it was just, it was great. Like I kind of got teary eyed watching it. And then you just see at the end where this, or the masked figure, probably masked gray, but he, these, then this dude starts talking, and then the show ends. So then you're like, oh my god, now what's gonna happen? So I got to tune in next week to figure out what's gonna happen. It, it's gotta be on the edge of the seat. But to see Bray back, and he looks good, and it looks like he's ready to go, and I can't, I can't wait to see what's next one because I've always been a big Bray Wyatt fan, Wyatt Family Guy. Just you know, and they, they said there was like some subtleties in his, what was that, Extreme Rules in his entrance because it kind of shows like Brody, like when Brody was standing in front of the light, like you see like the blue thing. It kind of reminds you of, like Brody Lee when he first showed up in. Uh, mm-hmm. AEW, which was cool. But, and man, I'm all for it. And you know that was a reference back to Bray because that's his connection. So like he's referencing mm-hmm. a reference of a reference. Sister Abigail had a mask in the crowd, which was a Bludgeon yeah. Brother mask. 
no less. So, like, the levels of this stuff are just wild. Uh, like, is it going to be the six faces of Bray? Like, is that what the Wyatt Six might be? It's just well, all that's... his different personalities? Because or... that's... People are thinking, like, the Wyatt Six. Is it a faction? Is it not? And I figured... I, I actually, when I was editing the podcast, I heard this. I know a couple here. I Almost all of us were thinking, like, it's going to be a faction. But I remember saying, not out of the gate. Not yet. And that could be the case. Right. It, 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 obviously, he, it's just him right now. But we could have the others get involved because if we've learned anything from this, it is not immediate resolution. This will go for a while as they unravel this story. Which is fantastic. Because yeah. they get to just do kind of whatever as we get there and influence things here, there, and everywhere. Red, I know you were big on this being a faction, but you said, like, this made it the best for you. Like, the fact that he didn't deliver on a faction is moot, right? Like, that does not matter because of what we got and how we got it. So, leading up to the day of, there's reports from backstage saying we're going to do the full thing, then they weren't going to do the full thing, now they're only going to show us part of the thing. I don't know what the thing is, but what they did gave us what we wanted. You gave us a month full of build towards whatever it was going to be. Obviously, we all thought it was going to be Bray Wyatt. Then you got the White Rabbit, not knowing whether that's a faction or not a faction or anything. The fact that they delivered everything perfectly. I mean, there was evolution from when he left to now. They showed the funhouse being broken down and dusty. Like, they've shown time instead of just picking up where it left off. And you gave us Bray Wyatt. Like, they hit every check mark for me as far as what they did. Could they have done more? I don't know, because I think what they did was the perfect uh, return. I'm not saying forever, but for Bray Wyatt, for what they led up to, having just him there, perfect. If it was a faction, I'm fine with them teasing it like they did. If it is, each person that was in the crowd will be a person that was wearing a mask. There's many rumors going wild of who those may be. If it's just random people that were in masks and that's just their new characters or whatever then so be it but i loved every moment for it only thing i didn't like was it felt very sudden when you have the cameras going on riddle and cormier going up and the lights go out you're almost like oh god riddle's about to be attacked i kind of wished it would have had them off screen a little bit and then drop the lights because it felt a little connected, but that was my only complaint, and that's not even a big enough complaint in my honest opinion. Yeah, they even did the the trick of putting up the copyright logo, and then the lights happened. So yeah, they they kind of they messed with that a little bit. It is fun to see Bray Wyatt with an office that's behind him, because even before like they didn't quite get it, but everything that we've liked about the Fiend was from an office that didn't quite even understand him, but let him do his thing. Now we have one that does and is supporting it. So it's going to be this, the next level of things. It's crazy. Jim, I know you're, you're big into Bray Wyatt's return here as well. So what's your, your feeling on all this? Um, so far it's great. I really like the blurring of the lines of the character on Friday. I mean, I would love if one of his characters is Windham Rotunda. I mean, it helps bleed the idea of multiple superstars, like Riddle's family's involved in his storyline Roman revealed himself as Joe with cancer the other like few years ago. It, it makes it more real. 
But then also with his character of being the spooky, like, oh, he's harassing himself with mental issues. Like that that that's a real thing. So it's gonna be fun. I mean, Triple H even said he loves Bray and he just knows he's very crazy and creative, constantly creating things. Well, we're gonna see it. Yeah, Bray Wyatt is a one man IP factory. They can make figures out of everything he comes up with. Now they can sell another mask. Like, it's... Just from that alone, the guy's a goldmine for intellectual property. Yeah, he doesn't own any of it. <laughs> Let, let's be clear. But you want that on your roster. You want that kind of thing. And it, he's going to keep getting all these merch sales from all the different stuff. Like, he will get residuals from all that, from all the different action figures and the stuff like that. It only, it only helps line your pockets. But he, he's a young Matt Hardy. Yeah, he is. He is. And Matt loves him. Matt was one of the first to actually be like, I love Bray Wyatt comeback. Mickey James loved it. Like, the amount of people happy to see Bray Wyatt back where he belongs, many people have said, but also able to do something like this has been awesome. It's just been such a positive, cool thing to see kind of across the board like that. So, very, very happy with it. It is kind of funny because as a production person, I'm, I'm looking at it and they did kind of miss time the lantern going out when he blew it out it was a little quick a little early but ah in the moment they had 10,000 people losing their mind and literally millions watching going oh my god so yeah yeah you couldn't even hear them from like three feet from the camera yeah yeah it was it was nuts so that was that we'll get CT's uh, comments as we go from there let's go to Raw because Brock came back Attack Lashley, big time fun, crown jewel, let's go. Not US title, because Rollins beat him for that. That's fine. Rollins is fun. I like him as champ. And I'll take Lashley versus Lesnar all day. Non-title Lesnar feud? This is a new era. Let's go. We've talked ad nauseum about liking Lesnar, but not in this situation. Here we go. This is fantastic. I love everything about it. But also on Raw, the Good Brothers came back. Carl Anderson is the current never open weight champion. We're obviously going to have CT's thoughts on that for how that is. I just know as a precedent, it's insanely rare for anybody from WWE to wrestle anywhere else. Taz did it in ECW back in 2000. But they were literally working with them. So that's its own kind of thing. And there's been times with developmental back in like the 90s with USWA and OVW type stuff. Yes. But if Carl Anderson wrestles for New Japan, which according to his Twitter, he won't until the time is right, because he's double booked for November 5th. Um, that's insane. They even mentioned it on NXT how Anderson's still a champion in Japan. This is nuts. This is wild. This is fun. I've said a billion times, and Bear Me has too, Good Brothers are kind of boring. Don't care for them. They're not main eventers. I'm glad they're gone from Impact. But if they're having fun with AJ, you know what? Go for it. Make some money. Carl Anderson can buy another pool. He's a scumbag, but he can buy another pool with some Saudi money. So, like, whatever. I'm not going to judge him for that. Do whatever. I just won't care about the matches as much. Fine. Because they're kind of bland, but... Eh. I know, GMC, you're not a big fan of Anderson. But Gallows is great, right? Like, he's fun. You met them, so... You met him, at least. Yeah, Sex Ferguson Gallows, yeah, I love him. I, I know he's not great in the ring, but he's entertaining when he gets allowed to be entertaining. 
Uh, as long as he's not with Anderson at times. <laughs> yeah, I, Anderson's good in the ring, but he's a piece of shit human, and he still hasn't acknowledged that, so... Uh, I'm not going to lie, them with AJ's cool. I just wish Anderson would apologize and try to fix things for what he did, but makes things interesting. And, like, let's be clear, nobody really expected this. Like, when it happened, it was like, what? <laughs> no. Because, like, Anderson even badmouthed WWE during one of the things I hate him for, which was on BTE when he was making fun of, like, Suicide Prevention Month. Like, I, like it was two years ago, a year ago? I forget what it was, but I hate him for that forever. And he's back in that same company. Like, what? <laughs> Holy crap. That's nuts. Um, but it was one of those moments where it's like, oh, my God, this is real. They're here. Oh, my. Uh, like, this was not on anybody's bingo card. Like, Red, the Triple H gauntlet, he ran out of room, right? Like, what is this? This wasn't one of the, uh, the things people were calling for. But here it is. It's insane. So I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. Not so much just the Good Brothers, but that Monday Night Raw, the season premiere in general, was fucking amazing. Like, that was probably one of the best Raws I've seen in quite some time. Good Brothers added to it. Brock returning added to it. Like, there was a lot of moments that showed that the crowd just was behind and made a great show. Up to the Good Brothers... If they do the gimmick that it seems like they're doing right now, I'm not as against it. I was super against the whole nerds uh, characters they had before they left. Like, I thought it was tacky and dumb. Like, these guys can put on a good match. Maybe outside the ring, they're garbage. Maybe their characters are garbage. But they know how to wrestle, which is kind of the whole point. So if they're with mm-hmm. AJ and they have a little fun with it, but they put on good matches, I'm behind it. Um, but I also was against it when I saw NXT this past week where it seems like they're doing a money gimmick. I just want them to be badasses. Like, they feel like biker gang that could be just, we're going to dominate. We're going to win matches is what we're going to do. They don't need the nerds thing. They don't need the money thing. Like, I just want them to be good wrestlers and run along with AJ, and I think they'll be fine. The money thing works in the way that, like, they're mercenary, but they also like having fun. So, like, they're good badasses like fun-loving badasses which i cannot think of any other character off the top of my head that would be a fun-loving badass quite in that way um maybe baron corbin (laughs) would be the closest but he doesn't really fit because he's more fun-loving than badass but that's that's the closest and he came back under the name baron corbin no less he and mysterio got traded that's not even on my list of stuff because like yep roster move cool um yeah that raw was wild uh, as I kind of mentioned, there's a lot that happened on it. Insane stuff. Bear me. What's your, what's your opinions with the Raw and with the Good Brothers and all that going on? I'm glad to see the Good Brothers back with AJ. I think that that's how they they can make it work. Yes, Carl Anderson is a piece of shit human being. I'm not supporting him, but they are a good tag team. And I swear I will not put high points in our league on any match that they're in just because I'm betting <laughs> against Sex Ferguson. They will somehow win. So, but I'm I'm glad to see them back. They got the Bullet Club thing going. When the look on Balor's face when AJ was like, well, I got a couple friends. And then they came out. It was priceless. So, yeah, I'm down with that. God, give me Brock versus Bobby in Saudi when that happens. Oh, my God, that's going to be amazing. Especially under this, like, new regime that we have. 
maybe they'll get more time. Maybe it'll be just, or maybe it'll just be like 10 minutes of just beating the hell out of each other. I don't know what it'll be, but I'm intrigued and I need it. I kind of wish it maybe was for the United States title. I kind of wish maybe Bobby would have held on to the title and then faced Brock for it because it would have really made it feel like a big deal. But Bobby's done enough for that U.S. title to make it seem like it's it's something. You know what I mean? And now Rollins has it. They're really putting a lot into these mid-card titles. I mean, they kind of have to. So I'm just excited to see where this goes, and I'm all for it. I just realized that we're not going to get Lashley versus Gunther at Survivor Series. I know. And not that we were necessarily going to get U.S. versus Intercontinental, but imagine if it was for the U.S. title and Brock won the U.S. title at Crown Jewel and it was Brock versus Gunther at Survivor Series. Yeah, but now look at it this way. We might get Gunther and Rollins, which would be a banger of a match, or we could get Sheamus versus Rollins. Like Gunther, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, Gunther is kind of proving how good he is. Like he's he's awesome. He's so much fun. And Brock versus Bobby at the uh, Rumble, I think it was, where they started suplexing each other, and Brock was like, "Oh, that was good." <laughs> like, yes, mm-hmm. Brock having fun. That there's a fun loving badass. Brock Lesnar <laughs> it really fits that. And Bobby Lashley. That's who we normally think of, but a little more goofball is what the Good Brothers are, I guess. So yeah, it's uh. It's a bit of a wild one. So, yeah, it's. I, I think the, the best part is, and Red, you can speak to this as well, what we saw with Candace and Johnny Gargano, is that nobody was calling the Good Brothers on Raw. You can look back and see people tweeting that there was interest in them potentially coming back. Like, like that. that is actually cropping up now. But it wasn't really like the rumors on Monday were here they are. Like, nobody was really calling for that. And that's awesome. That, again, makes you like, what's going to happen next? Not it that it's always a month out. Yeah. But it's not, like, reliant on... Like, these shows aren't reliant on people coming back. That's just a cool thing that happens during the show that you're watching anyway for the other stuff. Right? Like, Jimmy, so you can talk to that. These have been awesome things that make you want to watch. And they get you and, like, oh, my God, a bonus cool thing. That's cool. Like, it, it's... Just straightforward, right? Like it, it's relatively simple speaking, but that's good. So the rumors and dirt sheets and all that were like, yeah, there was interest, there was talks, but you're right, nobody saw it happening like 48 hours after you just saw them. Uh, what show was it? Newsman, I think they were on. They were on something a couple days ago, and no, their contracts ended, I think, on Impact. And then two days later, they showed up on Raw. Like, nobody predicted, like, this was going to happen. Was it going to happen in the next two to three weeks? I could have seen it happening, yes. Yeah. But the suddenness, and what it's starting to show is, and I think there's a lot more talk behind this, it's a different company now. Like, Mm -hmm. Vince era is done. This is the Triple H era. And I know he's not in charge, but... He's in charge. Like, he's the creative person. A lot of people are coming to WWE because they want to work for Triple H, not Vince. And it shows. A lot of these people that were released, they could have been like, no, screw your company. You guys dipped me over. A lot of them are like, hell yeah, I've been waiting. It's, so, it's That's the what I've said before where the, they feel like they can do what they can do at this company and the company failed them. And... You get your Keith Lees, your Swerve Stricklands, your Jonas, your 
Undisputed Era, basically, aside from Roddy. Like, these guys, they, they're like, what I want to do will not happen here. Or even Gargano and Candice. Like, what I want to do won't happen here, but now that someone's here that will do it, hey, I'm willing to come back, let's give it a shot. LA Knight is probably the closest example of that, of someone who was basically going to be released. Like, the writing was on the wall, you can look at it. And you can see him on TV in a character spur that and get back to being LA Knight. Like, that happened through SmackDown. <laughs> that's, that's the craziest one. Cross left yeah. and came back. All these other guys came back. But yeah, Eli Drake, LA Knight, Max Dupree, you can add that to the list. He did that. He, he did it on TV. I must also say, Mansois and Massé, as the maximum male models, continue to be absolute gold. It wasn't right for LA Knight, but it's right for Mansoor and Mace. Oh my God, it's fantastic. Um, and I didn't even mention a lot of the stuff that's going on with all these other people that are left and come back because it's obvious that Jonah is having fun in New Japan, let's be clear. But, you know, Triple H wants him back. He loved Bronson Reed. It's obvious. And Shawn Michaels even said, go do your thing, prove him wrong. You never know what can happen. Well, others have already made that path back. Bear me, I'll say it again. The arrow never would have left had this situation happened sooner. And to what Red was saying, like, they might be like, screw you, comp your company, you let me down. I know Swerve kind of felt that way. But now it's like, no, Swerve, we're going to fix it. Okay, I'll come back. Right. Bray Wyatt said basically he wanted to kill himself. <laughs> like, he yeah. he basically said that during his promo. Now, again, we're talking a wrestling promo. Do you believe everything you hear? I'm inclined to in this one. He was breaking that down. Fair enough. But that's how these people's lives were affected. These people, Ty Valkyrie still hates him. <laughs> but you never know what you never know you never know but she's like i hate wwe for what they did and turned their back on me and released johnny and now this with her like she hates them for that she might never go back because of that but everybody who did that is gone it's a new day yes it is we'll see what happens it's 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 only been like a month or two this is this is this is fun this is a fun time to be watching wrestling i freaking love it now, let's, let's move on to some stuff. Now, I do have a note here about a New Japan Championship. I'll just hold off on that till CT gets back. And I'll talk about some sad news. Because, basically, we have Adam Cole. This is, again, in my list of chronological stuff. This is how old this is. Adam Cole's basically still on the injured list because of concussion protocol. And they're worried it's very, very bad. I can tack into that same thing. People have said about Randy Orton and his back. So you never know with this stuff. And a back injury can put you out. Like, Ricky Steamboat had that, and he was basically done. Randy Orton, he's not a young guy, but he started young. So it seems like he's, like he's been there forever. But with Adam Cole with a concussion, that sucks. And when you look at how he went down, and I am going to jump ahead, to how Hangman went down last night, very similar to where it was just basically, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a big old clothesline, and they thumped down hard. And that's a freak accident. He did a moonsault, uh, Hangman did, a moonsault off of the entrance on the Mox in the crowd. And then he just got clotheslined and thumped on his head. Now, he does have a history of, like, shoulder and collarbone issues. And I know GMSG is worried about the neck because that's always a, a major problem, too. But Hangman's in the concussion protocol. If your name is Adam, don't get hit in the head in AEW. 
just steer clear of that. But um, I know people are calling for the injury stuff, like, oh my god, Mox is unsafe and that kind of stuff. But also about how people are untrained or whatever. It was literally a freak accident. Like, I've seen a clothesline like that a billion times. I've seen harder ones many times. And I've seen landings like that, or worse, a million times. It's just the circumstance of how that one went jarred something wrong, and that's the business. I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but Adam Cole still being hurt is very bad. Because that was June. And you look at what happened with Daniel Bryan, basically the same thing. He was out for years. Because they were unsure on that. And you look at that with Hangman now. Basically, they said he's on his concu- the concussion protocol. He's in that same boat. Uh, he's already tweeted. He said he's fine, but they're going to keep him in the same situation. I'm terrified for Soraya Page because she's been cleared. And for the record, Triple H wanted her and was upset she was released because if they got her, they might have cleared her. And maybe she would have been in there and still wrestling with WWE. I'm still terrified about that because that's a scary one. For the same situations. Jimmy Shield, I'll go over to you first with this stuff because not that we want to talk about, oh God, they're injured, they shouldn't wrestle, but it is scary stuff. If they're cleared, I'll trust them, but I'll tell you right now, I don't trust it when AEW has some of their NFL doctors when we saw what happened with concussion stuff in the past month or so. That terrifies me. And I'm not trying to badmouth AEW here just because it's the thing to do. It is not, but it's the health, and I'm scared. But you guys know the NFL stuff more than I do, so you can, you can chime in on that. But you've been thinking about this since last night with Hangman, at least, I know. Yeah, and I'm wondering more, because I can't remember the Fatal 4-Way much other than the ending with Adam getting hit badly, and I didn't see last night's match. I'm assuming that both of them, in their matches, before they got the major hit at the end, they got hit in the head badly somewhere or clocked against something. Mm-hmm. Because if you get, like, you can get a minor hit and it'll mess you up a little bit, but then if you get another hit within like a half hour or an hour, that's what happens. You just get knocked out and you can't really move much. So I'm assuming both of them got clocked a few times and then that major hit happened and it just, their brain almost shut down. So yeah, I, we might not see either Adam for a while because AEW has gotten better with the concussion protocol, which means they're actually, you know, using the concussion protocol test because it's a bitch to beat, even if you're fine. So, because, I mean, Bliss took it, and it, we, she was out for months. That's the other one. Yeah, we, that's right. Randy was, Randy, uh, after the hard shots from Brock, was out for multiple months. I think Ziggler was at some point, too. Like, it can take, like, you can seem perfectly fine and still fail this test. It is not easy. The whole Matt Hardy one was proven to be completely bullshit, so... Oh, yeah. Because as soon as... I, oh, he was clear to finish the match. He can't wrestle this week on AEW. Why? Yeah, he said... Oh, he said he was fine in the middle of the match. Yeah, you need to step in because, of course, they're going to say they're okay. That's that's punch drunk. That's the definition. Oh, that was, yeah. That one still is the worst one. Yeah, and if he got clocked bad, hit... Like, the way he looked like he got hit his shoulder went into his head and probably rocked it, and then he landed on his head again. So it could have been like a three-shot hit for him. Mm-hmm. That's two bounces at least of your brain. I really hope he takes it easy the next few months at least. I want him on TV, but I don't want him wrestling. 
the hangman it, return will be a great thing when it happens. Yeah. And Even just for speaking a of yeah. Soraya, Paige, we have seen so many people land on their necks and shoulders and heads recently. Ruby was one of them recently. I don't want her wrestling. I, I don't care if she's good or not, if she's cleared. She's at the point of, like, when Edge does a spear, I get scared. It's that level. There's... I, I just, there, there's a thing with that. Well, I remember we talked about that with uh, Brian, even, when he does this corner drop kick and he lands on his neck. It's like, stop doing that. He did stop doing that. He holds on and he kind of flops down. Bear me can chime in on this as well, but I know with martial arts and MMA and boxing, people say you do have a punch card. You've got a KO card. And when you hear about people sparring and people getting knocked out in sparring, that's the stupidest thing. Because you really only have so many times you can handle that before you're a glass jaw, essentially. And that goes for any other kind of injury when you look back on it. Because that's why Darby Allen hasn't gotten super hurt. He's young and invulnerable at this point. But that's not going to last. Like That's why these guys, even doing leg drops, Hogan's back got messed up after doing that leg drop for so long. It's just a leg drop. He didn't feel it in the moment. But the wear and tear hit. Bret Hart's knees got messed up from his middle rope elbow drop because he landed on his knees. Even Austin said he can't really he couldn't really do the stunner for a while because it jacked his back. Simplest things. Mm-hmm. Jeff Hardy's Jeff Hardy is somehow an invulnerable guy who can do this stuff because he's smart in it and how he does it. Darby Allen is like twenty years younger. Of course he can do this stuff. Look at a little kid that falls over and they bang their head. They're up quick, and I'm not making fun of that. They're just resilient. Boom! Oh, here we go. And they're better again, but if that happened all the time, it's gonna have t- it's gonna take its toll. <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. There's only so many times you can do that. So if he got rocked a bunch of times in that match, or even through other stuff, it makes sense that eventually a simple shot will do it. Like this injury was very much like Seth Rollins, just a freak landing on his leg and boop, there it went. Like nobody's really at fault, uh, is what I'm trying to say. It's a freak accident. That's wrestling. That can happen. And it did, I feel. Like, because there's no way they were trying to hurt each other. Like, no, let, let's be clear on that. But uh, the other thing is why I say, we kind of mentioned this a little bit, but it's really been a thing, but AEW does not want their wrestlers going to GCW anymore, which means no more blood sport. I know Mox basically defied that by going to GCW and lost to Nick Gage. He's a three-time champ now because it was title versus career. But that's why they don't want going there or, or anywhere else. That's why WWE does not allow it because, to go back to the story from earlier, because if someone gets injured, that jeopardizes things. Like, what if Rich Holland was doing indie dates and he got hurt? Well, now he can't be at Extreme Rules because he got hurt. That screws up our stuff, and it wasn't even in our ring. That's the simple reason why they don't do it. And that's why I was like, man, AEW is allowing it? That's crazy, but okay. Well, now they're like, fuck, we can't afford that. We're not allowing it. So it makes all the sense in the world. I get it. It's not as fun to see the forbidden door closed like that in some ways, but that's part of why. Hangman doesn't do indie stuff like that. He just does AEW. He just gets banged up and he got beat up, and that's it. So bear me, sorry to, to ramble on that entire time, but we've seen that with MMA where Chuck Liddell can eat a shot. No, he can't. Not anymore. Like, there's a certain ones like that, and that's what's going on here. Yeah. Like, even in uh, wrestling, everybody says you have a bump card. 
once that card fills up, you're you're done. You know what I mean? Like, look at a uh, Sting, for example. I'm gonna use her as like use her, use him as like a page reference here because like you know how they said like she wasn't gonna be able to wrestle again or get cleared. Remember Sting had that buckle bomb that Rollins did to him. Yeah, it was, it was an accident, but then he couldn't wrestle anymore, and everybody's like, "Oh, he'll never get cleared." Well, he's doing he's doing all right in AEW, but he's not wrestling that often, so I think that helps him a lot. And he's and not taking moves like that. Page. He's not taking yeah, anything that would jeopardize the neck. That's the, uh, if you want to call it a smart exactly. way to do it. That's it. Like he's basically all offense, yeah. taking a, a bump here and there. That's it. So hopefully she learns from him. Because I think that would be some good advice. Because Sting's a great guy, and from all accounts, and he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So, if she really wants to have a long career, talk to him. As for Adam Cole, that would really suck if he never wrestled again. Because he's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time too. But his health is the most important thing, and I can see why they're taking it really slow with him. If it is as bad as they said that it was. So I'm, I'm glad that they are taking the right concussion protocols stuff, and they're taking it serious now. And Adam Page, yeah, I mean, Adam Page is young, and I don't think he's really had a lot of concussion type, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, injuries. So maybe he's still got, you know how they say, like, in football, you get, like, I forget how many concussions it is, but, like, you eventually you'll get CTE or whatever, which is not good. But... I don't think he's had a long injury or a long list of like concussion injuries. So I think he'll be able to bounce back. Hopefully not. Hopefully when it just takes time to get fully healed, if he's back quick, hopefully they do it right. But I would assume that it would, he'll be off for quite a bit of time. Plus he just had a, plus, you know, he had a kid like at the beginning of this, like past year or whatever. So get him healthy. Let him spend some time with his family. And then when he's ready to come back, bring him back. But, yeah, concussions are scary. concussions are scary stuff. I, I agree with you on that punch card. No, it's it's scary in MMA. To be fair, I, I know they do general thing like no contact for like ninety days or six months and things like that. Like they do do that afterwards, uh, and that's just precaution. That's regardless on if you got knocked out. If you got knocked out, they add to it. It's even longer. So things like that do come up. Um, to keep going with AEW, just because we've got a, a few little bits here and there. For that, I know Ariel Hawani. I mentioned him before, an MMA interviewer who's quite cringe, but also quite good. It's it's a weird way to put it, but I've mentioned before how kind of awkward he can be with stuff. But he's also very very good. Uh, big fan of wrestling. People hate him for it because it's like, why are you talking about wrestling on your MMA show? Well, he interviewed Tony Khan. This a month or so after he interviewed uh, Triple H out in England. Oh wait, it was Wales. Ha, I get it. Remember that joke? Uh, and it was a very good interview with Triple H. This one with Tony Khan, it was over Skype or whatever Zoom it was. And it was a train wreck because Tony Khan didn't want to answer a goddamn thing. Now, to be fair, he couldn't answer certain things, but he just chose not to. He said, I don't want to answer that. Don't want to talk about that. That's personal stuff. Didn't want to do it. Helwani went on to say how he was frustrated and said it was ridiculous. And he feels that the AEW product is lesser right now. Of course, those trollish AEW fanboys, I'm not saying everybody is, but I'm saying the bad ones attacked him for it and he's like you guys are idiots like what are you doing <laughs> this is insane and it was almost refreshing to see this outsider perspective who is a fan but to be like what is wrong with you like i simply said i don't like the product i'm allowed not to like it like that shouldn't make you cry out for revenge 
that's insane. And I just, I just thought that was funny. I thought it was rather interesting to see that. That all was, I believe, right before the show yesterday. And, oh no, sorry, it was before the show in Toronto, which, okay, I will make fun of this one. They went to the Coca-Cola Arena, which or Coca Coliseum, which I didn't know was the Rico Coliseum. It's a TV show arena for the first time I'm aware of because it's a house show arena for WWE. They go to the Air Canada Center, now the Scotiabank Center. These are airlines and banks up here, so you guys know. And there's also the Rogers Center, which was the Sky Dome back for WrestleManias. Um, WWE, when they were in Toronto recently, hockey arena, not the lacrosse arena, to, to give that perspective. It's still 7,000 fans, nothing crazy, not, nothing to sneeze at, but you would have thought they could have easily sold out the other one, which is about ten to 15,000. I thought that would have been easy for their debut, which were they were hyping. It was honestly kind of a bland show as far as I'm concerned out in Toronto. Like, for, for what it was, it was meh. Um, Renee Paquette came out. She got a big pop. You know, R Renee Young. That was fun. But then they went to Cincinnati, which is the GMSG thing I want to talk about here. And he didn't go to it once again. And it wasn't during a recording of this for once. But uh, that's where they were. And um, yeah, that was what it was because the show ended early, kind of, because the match went quick. And Mox had to ad-lib for a while and call out MJF. So we haven't seen that in a while. Good on Mox to do that one. Wishing Hangman well. And MJF challenged with the chip for full gear. Turning face completely. And I'll mention JD in our Discord said that he'd been teasing that for a while. I'm just going to change it off on that saying that's what I wanted from him coming back in the first place. You can listen to the podcast two or three weeks ago where I was complaining about MJF being a heel squandering this face comeback that he had and here he is i'm like okay they're doing it fair enough he's gonna earn it he's gonna do it or he's trolling it. he's still gonna cheat it's fine uh i actually skipped during all this craziness that ogk the kingdom they're in AEW now too they were in toronto red mentioned that they were they defended the tag titles successfully at impact bound for glory lost them at the taping spoiler heads up that's tomorrow and then here we are now with them in AEW. And they're challenging FTR eventually. And there, there's a lot going on in AEW right now. But it's not like... It seems like they're throwing a lot at the wall to see what sticks. And Jimmy G, I'll go to you first on this because it was in Ohio. Um, <laughs> what's, your, what's your feelings on the current state with all that happening? Hell... I forgot to mention that Jericho signed an extension to 2025 along with Mox, because I know you were commenting on that uh, with us earlier, because those guys both signed extensions, which seem to include some production or exec type things also, which is wild. Yeah, it also, uh, Cincinnati's four and a half hours away from me. No fucking way. No, it's close enough. That. You can go. It's fine. Um, also funny that CT popped in here just as uh, you were throwing it to me. Excellent. Uh, MJF, I like him a lot, but I'm seriously really sick and tired of one week he's face, one week he's heel, next week he's face, next week he's heel. Just make up your fucking mind. It's getting pointless now. Um, I I don't know what, like, I hate him holding this cash-in thing when he's most likely just going to cash-in for the pay-per-view next month. Like, just 
Or he is. Did. No, they did. They, yeah. that's, that, they haven't like done the graphic for it yet, uh, surprisingly, but he said he's cashing in for full gear. He wants yeah. Moxley at 100%, not injured, not bloody, no excuses, no nothing. I want him fresh so I can say I earned it for the first time in my life. Yeah, they, I wish they just got through that and we didn't just have Moxley facing off against every other person the last three weeks. Uh, it, it's weird when they do this. We've had multiple times where championships changed and then, oh, defense, 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 defense. Oh, now we're back to our feud. Okay. Uh, I don't know. It it doesn't help the hangman thing happened. That that was just really bad timing, because everyone's like, "Oh, MJF's no longer up there." Well, that would have been interesting if they he tried to cash in and then changed it, but they want to go a different route. Okay. It's weird they're also making BCC heels when they're also feuding with JS, who are definitely heels. AW's weird with faces and heels, and it just confuses me weekly on programming. Hey, don't forget Dalton Castle. Doing a yeah. bit of everything in an amazing entrance. Yeah, and that's the thing. They keep bringing in all these groups like OGK. Again, we had the six-man champions, or trio champion, whatever you want to call them, of ROH. And this is the first time we've seen him in months. And I looked it up, and like Mercedes has been injured... And we have this whole thing of Tony uh, Storm complaining about being called the interim champion. We need this to end in that. Well, we've had the ROH Women's Championship champion gone for three months now. Yeah. Injured. She has not wrestled on the indies. She has not wrestled anywhere. Yet there's nothing about that being changed. And what was it? Britt, uh, Hater, and uh, Rebel said that one of them will be the new interim women's champion by the end of the year. Implying that Tony Storm... Like, Thunder Rosa is gone through December? That's what that implies, right? Like, that's... I get they're just saying, like, we don't know. That's the whole point of an interim, but... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, and there was this weird thing that I noticed on their website that I was going to mention to you guys, and I just forgot to. I was just looking at the champions, and it says, for Thunder Rosa, 117-plus days, and it's like her reign, like, stopped as when she had to step away. But when you go to the World Championship, Punk is counted as 87-day champion. Oh yeah. yeah. They're yeah. they're weird about gone. it. Yeah, no, so. they're they're really weird how they do it. I know that they don't even like to really recognize when Sammy Guevara had it for the TNT or when Moxley had it. Like they say that the rain started when they won the Undisputed. Like the interim doesn't really count, even though it clearly does and should. Like that's how championships work, der. Uh it it's a, it's a weird situation overall with that. I don't quite understand it. I know Red was laughing at the tag title situation where the FTR guys with three tag championships have to go into a contenders match against former champs Swerve and Our Glory to get a shot at the tag champs, the Acclaimed. Meanwhile, the Acclaimed are just defending against varsity guys on Friday. Like, what? I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I hate champions not being on TV for a while. But it's like defending on a, for a while, but they're at least there. I hate it more when you have these weird-ass championship reigns and things don't count here. They do here. Oh, we have two of the same type of champions, but the ones that have one title mean way more than the guys that have three, yet the three are ranked way higher. I don't like it. You're supposed to be uh, more sports-like, but you're not at all. Yeah, no, the whole thing with rankings should mean something towards that, and yet when you have one team 
quite literally ranked number one in the rankings for four months, and they have to earn a contendership match when the other guys just get it. Like, it makes you think, like, oh, it's a defense, but it's hand-picked, and they're not going to lose it. So why do I care then? Like, oh, because you never know. Yeah, but why do they get a shot? They, they literally are getting the shot because they're not good enough to be high in the rankings to earn one. They're getting a throwaway shot. That defeats the entire purpose of the idea of wrestling where anybody could beat anybody. I think it's mad. I think it's insane. I know CT's here now. So we can talk more about AEW if you want, CT, because it's, it's fun times. Well, my, my favorite company. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think GMSG did a good summary of it. It just is like, I don't know, even if you want to say, like, they're booking logically, which I would not say they're booking logically. Like, I think you have to admit they're booking ineffectively. Like, there's no way that, like, FTR versus Swerve in Our Glory for the contendership, either way, is, like, the right move at this point. This MJF thing, I mean, we've talked on here about the hype he had. He could have come in and been the biggest babyface or the biggest heel in all of wrestling. And they just kind of put him in the middle. And if this is his logic, then why has he been an asshole with it for the past month? It, it, it doesn't add up. I get they probably had to change things because of Punk. But, like, I don't know. I just, it's, they're not booking effectively. But they haven't booked effectively or logically since quite literally full gear, like, the first full gear. I think 2019 it was. So, like, I don't know. It's just, like, every two weeks we come on here and we say the same thing. That's AEW is bad. It's not being booked well. We don't know what's happening. And it's confusing. And then it just is that over and over and over again. Well, Red and Bear Me, do you want to chime in with all that? AEW stuff. Um, I think somebody said it earlier. They're throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks because they really have no direction right now other than keep going forward and forget the past. Like, I, I get the elite not being there may cause some issues as far as viewers getting in, but when you have a roster over a hundred people, you should be able to put a good show together. And it feels like week in and week out, you have like. 40 stories between two companies, and I, I say two companies loosely because they have a lot of ROH defending titles. I mean, Jericho's one of your big AEW people, but he's doing ROH. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. And I, I, matches are decent. Storylines are shit. I guess that's the best way I can put it. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, everybody's kind of, I'm kind of agree with everybody here with uh, what everybody said. There's not really too much more that needs to be said. I just want to know, do you guys think MJF will make a good baby face? Because I think he's going to roll at it just because he's that good. So I'm kind of interested to see how he does it and how he'll be as a baby face. I think he will, but I don't think he's winning. Hmm. Agreed. Oh, you're going you're gonna, to you get a top lock... Uh... John hey, you know what? In a couple of weeks, we'll come on here and make that bet. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, all right. Yeah, no, I know a lot of people. Do you think are... MJF is winning? Yeah, do because a lot of people are saying that. Yes, a yes, lot are saying there's no way he can lose. And I'm like, we said that last time. <laughs> oh, Moxley's actually, the world his... title there possibly. I can't make that bet. Sorry. Moxley's Moxley just keeps facing people to add up to his uh, get his defenses up, and I think that MJF will be the one to beat him, unless his faction comes out and costs. MJF, like MJF's own faction of like with like Stokely and whatever else the hell else is in it because there's like 10 people. If somebody from there, if his faction comes out and costs him to maybe get that baby face sympathy, I just, I don't see, I don't see a face MJF uh, losing. 
the pinnacle I, have slowly been reforming and their faces uh i like both yeah. guys but like i feel if they don't give it to mjf here th- their fan base is gonna really like rip apart oh, like yeah. i feel like yeah. twitter right now like even our own discord's been yelling at each other so things have been really weird with the storylines they're doing I mean, Jungle Boy's got halted just because of an injury with an old guy. Like, you could have moved his story along really well, and it's just like, eh, who cares? Like, the ROH thing has made me so mad just for ROH's memory and what it's actually done to AEW. You could have easily had Dark Elevation, which is a one-hour show, and say, okay, we're going to put a halt on this for like six, seven months until we get a TV or streaming deal for ROH, and it's going to become ROH on YouTube. And you could have had your ROH talent, your dark talent, which basically is now the ROH talent, work through that, and you could have kept things separate and not made this whole roster confused as hell of who's going where and what's mattering. They just had Battle for the Belts a couple weeks ago, but they just had four tile matches last night. And that was it. Like, I don't think there was a single match last night that wasn't a title match. And let's, what are you doing? Let's mention that because that was Tuesday night against NXT. And I know we're, we're jumping around a lot here, but I know CT, uh, you didn't hear what we were saying earlier about the, the stuff building up, like the good brothers were, were back and they were there and everything. But we'll come back to you for some other stuff. But I kind of want to move to this NXT versus AEW thing because Jim is was looking at the ratings. And yeah, AEW technically won. But when you look at it, they did no different than what they did last time they were on a Tuesday. Am I right with that? I No. I think they're doing all... Like, oh, okay. <laughs> the thing is, their numbers dropped, and that was going to happen because they moved nights. The thing is, no matter what AEW did, it didn't matter because NXT's numbers were still better or equal to their entire average last year. And they've been on this up roll from, like, oh, low 600,000 to almost 700,000 continuously, which is better than their last two years average so nxt's audience increased compared to what it was even against dynamite and nba and mlb yeah so it was it was was lower than the previous week but that number was way higher than normal so So, yeah apples to apples one wrestling show beat the other wrestling show absolutely however quality of wins context matters yeah we've said forever on this podcast even ct says it actually ct says it more than the rest of us AEW is not lacking as far as a roster. That roster should be, like, supremely able to give us good shows. You just need people who can book it. Remember when Tony said he was stepping back and people were going to help out with booking? What happened to that? Did that happen? Was that a thing? I don't remember if that actually happened or not, because it doesn't sound like it did, but... Well, he had to get rid of everyone who was doing something backstage, so... Yeah, true. I mean, he did lose a booker. Ace Steel has been released, so that's news out of that whole situation so we'll see what happens there and the elite were mentioned by name in the trios title match so that's an eventuality there so that writing is on the wall coming up on all that but let's rewind a little bit because i want to get ct's opinions briefly because so you know ct we're at the hour mark you came in you know you lasted an hour in the first rumble we had fpl frontline league frontline prediction league go check that out but uh, here we are at the hour mark. You're coming in late. We talked a lot about Bound for Glory. We talked a lot about Extreme Rules and Bray Wyatt and the Good Brothers. Did you have anything you want to chime in on any of that? Uh, honestly, not really. I think Wyatt's promo was good. I think I'm a little bit 
cooler than everyone else because like so clearly it was a performance i think a lot of people are like oh he's talking fully from the heart and while there's definitely reality to the words he's saying like he's definitely in character in that speech but like no it's cool i like the fact that everyone's on nxt and like doing different things um the good brothers carl anderson give back the never title do the job (laughs) carl um but no even that's like becoming a little storyline like i think it's good i'm excited to see where everything pans out but i think right now everything is clearly being effective people are tuning in there's engagement and interest in what this company is doing flashback three years ago there really wasn't any of that or at least much of that from like the mainstream i guess like uh wrestling audience so that's it's good to see and it's an exciting time uh, but I don't know if there's anything specifically that, like, I'm super passionate about. Did you ever think you'd see New Japan World retweeting WWE's Raw tweets? No, I did not. <laughs> um, and when he shows up with that Never title on Raw, I'm definitely going to not uh, have ever thought that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be an insane thing. Um, what were, what was your match of the night for Extreme Rules? Was it the Donnybrook, like the oh, rest of us? Donnybrook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Donnybrook was amazing. I'm sure you've already like oh, yeah. raved about it. Yeah. Like match of the year contender, so like, fun. First twenty minutes was all Donnybrook. I'm not gonna lie. How how great that Sheamus is getting this, and he even tweeted about it after that match, like this new like fire in his career. And he's always like, I think Sheamus has been consistently really good. He had the bar. He had a really strong world title run back in the day, but like. How great to see him really get this fire behind him. Almost it's like the only thing I can compare it to is Michael Cole with Pat McAfee, where it's just like these people have been there forever, just like doing great work, getting a ton of recognition for themselves. And like, it's great to see. It's so fun. It's great to see that actual recognition, too, because like people have never really said Seamus is not good. He's always been good. He sure he looked dumb for a while and he had a back injury that might have threatened his career. Now look at him. Like, it's like, oh, my God, it's a whole nother level. People are like, you know what? This guy is really goddamn good. And I love it. And, yeah, it's, just, it's great to see. Super, super fun. Uh, for Bound for Glory, uh, Bully Ray? Bully Ray. <laughs> These were the yeah, two main ex- things I had jotted down. <laughs> I wanted to get your ex- opinion on. <laughs> Put that in bold. Bully Ray. Yep. He's back. Impact Wrestling. We've stood by them through thick and thin here for years. And over the past, like, year and a half, two years, I've really, like, sung their praises. Great company, great matches, really underrated. Still is really good. I don't think they're a disaster or anything. But, like, since Bound for Glory, God, have they been kind of a little bit of a mess here. (laughs) Bringing Bully Ray back. Bobby Fish has not exactly been tearing it up. Um, The company's very close to becoming a meme again, which is sad because I think they're overall really good still. Um, but booking-wise, guys, clean it up. You had something going. Let's not lose it now and go back into the TNA cycle. Let's not do it. Bully Ray with the clean pin over Steve Macklin, getting that call-your-shot gauntlet uh, win, getting a clean pin on Chris Bay. I think it was clean. He still pinned Chris Bay, I believe it is, uh, during the tag <laughs> match, uh, the taping that aired last week. Um, Bully Ray and Kazarian, let's go. Yeah, match of the year. yeah. Uh, now I, I said earlier, and you probably agree with this, going in, we weren't really hype at all for Bound for Glory, but we were thinking, there's no way it'll suck, though. And it didn't, because they've delivered, even on the week shows, they've been good. So, it was a, a lot of fun. Both shows were super great, but Bully Ray, what, what's going on here? And it's not like we're trying to hate on Bully Ray. Like, I'm not. You might be. But it's like, yeah, he's clearly one of the most over guys there, but he's, don't use him as the world champ. D- stop. <laughs> Don't put him in that feud. Learn what WWE took a decade to do. 
put Brock Lesnar in a non-title feud like Bobby Lashley. Finally! Finally! We can do this. It's okay. That's fun. That's what we want. We don't want him in the title matches. It's okay. It, it's okay. And I, I'm, I presume you're happy about that, finally, that Lesnar is not in a world title match? Yes. I mean, this is what I've been asking for for years. <laughs> but like with Bully Ray, like, there's ways to do it. If this is like, oh, he's going to cash in on Josh Alexander at like an Impact Plus special, and it's going to be like a tables match, and the, you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. If it's an Impact Plus show, who cares? If he's going to win this Call Your Shot gauntlet and like go for the tag titles and lose or whatever, like, I'm not even mad that he won the Call Your Shot, is the fact that he's being treated as like, the show ended with a stare down of Josh Alexander and Bully Ray. They're treating it like they've put him as a main event talent mm-hmm. who's not there for one match. He's there for like a run, and that's terrifying. Yeah, because I like Bully Ray, but like not yeah. that much. He's already winning on that run too. So there we go. To get to what we really want to talk about, I paused on this one, but New Japan. Let me let me word this properly. New Japan P N W. It's it's a mouthful of letters. NJPW World TV Championship is the name. Like, it's not even television. It's TV. I noticed how they're doing it. But it's also New Japan World, not IWGP. That's also weird. Um, This title got announced. It looks like a big belt buckle, like this big cube rectangle-looking thing. It's focused on for people under age 40, like youth-based, I think is what they were saying. Every match will be free on TV on YouTube afterwards, and they have been. English commentary and Japanese, that's been fun. And the tournament list came out, and there's a bunch of people who were, you know, not youth-based. I immediately went, when I saw that, and went, oh, that's because they're going to put people over who are youth-based. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll win there. I know they did a title a couple, I say a couple years ago, 15 years ago, the under-30 title, which was like a three-year thing with Tanahashi and Nakamura, I think, and that was about it. So this... They've not done a TV title before. This is like their 18th title. And I know that's I'm exaggerating, but not by much. What were your thoughts on this TV title being announced? What, what, like, what, what? Is yeah, this, I mean, is this I needed, think I think is what I'm kind of saying. I think it's fun. I mean, especially, I mean, they obviously have the separations between heavyweight and junior. Um, so I think for those lower card <clears throat> middle, uh, or those lower card middle card heavyweights, like this is something easy to do. You have the matches airing free. So if you get that on a good name with really good matches, having that really accessible, I think that's a good way to get, you know, people in the door to start really looking at this company and viewing it if they haven't already. Um, I think the design is interesting. We'll see how it looks. With For some reason, with how they position their titles, and I know this sounds like really stupid, slash like a complete excuse, with how they position their titles for these announcements, like physically, it looks bad. Their new world title also looked terrible. I remember ranting about it on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And then they just like hold it up and it looks fine. So I will wait until I see someone just hold this title fully normally before I make a complete ana- like analysis of it. But yeah, I think it's a good concept. I think the tournament's been strong so far. Um, it really is a huge. I think it. I think it is a huge opportunity. It just is really up to them to make the most of it. If you put this on someone who has no fire behind them and the matches are just like whatever matches, I know they're only going to be fifteen minutes maximum. Um, you know, it's going to be nothing. But I think the roster deserves it. I think there's room for this. Um, but as with most things in wrestling, it really depends on execution. And to your point, I do think that it is a good way to get people in to see something like, hey, here's a free title match. This matters. It's quality stuff. And it's free. Did you like that? There's more. Tune in on this date. 
to none in this. Like, it's it's a perfect way to do things. Because, of course, during the title matches, they're going to talk about the rest of the card that happened or will happen to get you to buy the replay. Because that's just good business. It, it makes sense. I like it. So, it's it kind of... I mean, I know we say it came out of nowhere, but that seems to be how New Japan stuff is. Like, we're doing this now. Oh, okay. What? Sure. Cool. Neat. What is it? Oh, tournament. Oh, okay. Speaking of tournaments, they just announced, what, the Tag League? which is 17 events for the, the Junior Tag League and the Regular Tag League. Like I don't even know the specifics of these, but we talked about it when I, met, I got confused with the G1 at one point. This is a whole big deal thing, right? And sadly, no FTR, it seems. Yeah, it doesn't seem FTR. I mean, we don't know the schedules. Like, technically, there's possibly a way they could be in it, but I would not uh, hold your breath on that. Um, it's a yearly Tag League. It's basically the G1 for tags. Tends to be seen as, like, the worst tournament you know it's just kind of <laughs> wasting time till wrestle kingdom not necessarily a ton of great matches but like you know it's fine it's just you know something they do every year so we'll get through it so the the people in the tag league generally kind of dominate the cards because is it similar to when you had the g1 and stuff where they might have their g1 block match one night and then they're in a, a similar match the next night like is that similar here like will we yeah, see much of the singles guys during these cards well, normally they put, it's like, let's say three quarters established tag teams. The other quarter tends to be like some of the big singles guys in tag teams in the tournament. So like Tanahashi's typically in it. Um, Okada, we've seen it, seen in it in the past. Um, they're just kind of there. Not really, you know, they're not going to win, obviously, or anything. But um, yeah, I mean, you will definitely see them and you'll see them in opening matches probably and stuff. We don't really know how the cards will look considering obviously it's been COVID recently in the past years. So this is kind of like a return to form in some ways for the tournament. Um, but you should still see them, um, hopefully. And I mean, it's building Wrestle Kingdom. They have to build these matches, and these are kind of the last major shows before Wrestle Kingdom. So it's sort we'll of a go-home thing, right, for them? in their how they Yeah. Yeah. Imagine this, like, kind of in their placement, like their fast lane. We did the Rumble. We mm. did the G1. We know who's going. This is just kind of filling time creating some of the stories and just kind of filling in those last few spots. Now let's bring this all forward and catch back up with some last stuff here to wrap up the podcast. CT doing light work, but carrying a big load right there. Thank you for that. Uh, we've got a couple things that I know I, I have it penciled in here that Halloween Havoc is coming up. We'll close with that because that's this weekend and we'll just talk about that briefly with NXT as well. So I want to jump ahead to the fact that a thing I didn't even write down initially was that AAA had Triple Mania. And, Birmy, you know, you might know this, but one of the Volanos. Volano 4, he lost and he got unmasked. And if anybody saw a picture of a bloody Pentagon Jr. holding up that mask, it's one of the coolest wrestling photos I've ever seen. Um, yeah. I know people were saying that's a match of the year. I thought they were joking at first because apparently Volano, I mean, he's old. But apparently, like, the emotion and the drama of that match was incredible, so I do want to check that one out. There was a lot of fun stuff with Triple Mania. I did not watch it. Uh, I was busy. But apparently some really good stuff. Camille had her first loss, challenging for the Reina de Reina's championship that Taya Valkyrie has. So the NWA Women's Champion lost. That's noteworthy. Title was not on the line for her, but that's a thing that Camille filled in for Thunder Rosa and lost. That's, that's pretty big. If Thunder Rosa isn't really injured, that's weird that she missed that payday as well, but it's not like GCW guys couldn't be there because I know uh, Brian Cage was there, and hell, Rey Mysterio did a video for it because it is Triple Mania 30, similar to AJ with Slammiversary and stuff like that, so that was pretty fun to see from what I saw afterwards, but 
Yeah, Villano 4. He unmasked. That's the, and I, if I'm correct, that's the last of the Villanos. I think that's how they kind of even promoted it. He's the last one to unmask because I think five already finished and all the other priors were done. So to, to someone who saw WCW way back in the day, that's pretty nuts, right? Yeah. That is. It's pretty crazy. And quite literally a feather in the cap for <laughs> Penta. Yeah, which is awesome. And that, that picture is one of the best things that I have seen in a while. But I have not seen the match, though. But I will take your word for it that it was really damn good. Because I've seen clips of it online, and it looked mm-hmm. like it was pretty good. And I believe Hijo del Vikingo defended the mega title against Phoenix, who is the Latin American champion and the cruiserweight champion, I believe. He's got two titles. That just sounds fun also, like a, a match worth checking out. So I had to mention that because I almost forgot. So that was also a thing. And then day one got canceled, apparently. I haven't checked the website for the arena yet uh, today, but it was still there the day it got canceled. But it's apparently been canceled and not, like, moved or rebranded. And there's a whole shift, allegedly, of the pay-per-views shifting and changing less gimmick-based stuff, and they might be revamping things. So we might not have a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view anymore, freeing up Hell in a Cell to happen whenever. Not that it couldn't, but at least it isn't always going to be when the event happens. Uh, I I think Money in the Bank is staying for the record, but the other ones will probably get flipped around, so Elimination Chamber might not even be called that. It might be something else, and they can move that around. So I can see that possibility. Um, the other flip side of that is Final Battle was finally announced for December. We in the FPL are very happy for that. It's like a 3 p.m. start time, which is a weird thing. But Tony Khan was saying that was that with a TV announcement imminent, all due to the success of Death Before Dishonor, which just makes me shake my head that he bought a company that was 20 years on with regular TV and pay-per-views that were doing well enough for him to buy it that now he's decided, yes, we're going to do a thing based on the success. Maybe he had to prove the merits that he could pull it off. I don't know. But GMSG, to what you were saying earlier about being sad about not having Ring of Honor, it fits that. It really fits with that because of what we've lost in that uh, production and program all year. It's like, it's gone. Like we we don't get those shows anymore. We don't get those free matches anymore from their TV. We don't get those pay-per-views anymore. And they were just getting good with final battle 2020. It felt like, or 2021 rather. It felt like they turned that corner. Like I'm looking forward to it. I legitimately want to see more of this. And it's just gone. And, and not even a matter of what they've replaced it with. What it was is gone. Yeah. I, it's just... It, yeah, I'm just shaking my head. <laughs> by the way, it's still on State Farm Arena's website. And even on WWE.com, when you go to upcoming shows, it's still there. Mm. So, we'll see. Um, it's weird, because they're going to have to build this show using Dynamite and Rampage full gears next month so they're gonna have what three weeks to build this simultaneously or if they do it now like yeah it's weird especially if like jericho's still champion because they have joe as like the front picture and he's the sec third tier singles champion for the company yeah he's tv champ i get garcia he's not exactly a name but he's the pure champ um i i would put ftr on the poster or jericho because jericho makes sense Jericho's like when he was the first AEW champion. It makes sense to put a name that will draw. Love him or hate him, he is that. It'll work. 
So, like, he should be on the poster, or FTR, or all of them. I mean, I get Joe also, but, yeah, it's weird. I, I asked maybe they did Joe because Joe was Ring of Honor Originals to try to bring him back in. Could be. I think, he's face. He is, I think he's signed He is signed, but that makes that does make sense to use him because yeah. he is the ROH guy. Yeah, of all their champions, except for Mercedes, I think he's the only one that's signed to ROH, not AEW. Yeah. Because he's barely on AEW. Oh, well, also Castle and the Boys, but I don't think they're going to put Castle and the Boys on the cover of that. They might now. Yeah, he got over big. Of all the people that have been kind of misused or not getting a proper shine, like you see Josh Woods floundering, getting a little bit of love, and then he's just gone again. You see stuff like that. I'm so happy to see Dalton Castle used correctly. I, I will say it as bluntly as that. It's like, finally, someone's figured out how to do this right. Just let him be his insane, glorious peacock self. Like, good lord, it's fantastic. I know, Bear Me, you're a big Dalton Castle fan too, right? Yes, yeah, I, re- I really like Dalton Castle and the boys. They, they were one of my favorite acts in ROH when it was uh, up and running, so... Happy to see uh, what he does next in AEW or ROH. I, yeah. I'm assuming after they after maybe they lose the six man titles eventually that he probably goes to AEW. As long as he's having fun, I'm with it. Yeah. Now, Red, are you more interested in ROH now for what it's going to be than what it was? Because I know that, that was kind of a thing. Like ROH was like, what even is it? We, we're aware of the pay per views and that's it, and we come in not knowing what they've been doing. Kind of able to follow up more now in its way. But it's so different from what it was. Like, are, do you care as much? Because I've been thinking that. Like, it's it's almost easier to get into, but it's more confusing on what it is. Is my opinion of it. Well, what's yours on that, Red? Yes. <laughs> um, I, you're not wrong. It is more confusing because is it uh the NXT to AEW? Is it its own thing? Like, I know our, one of the cool things I liked about ROH was the handshake, the honor system. At the start of the matches, it was always cool. Now you got AEW, you got Jericho as a world champ who refuses to do that kind of thing. So it's like, are, are they going back to what the old ROH is? Is this AEW's ROH? Like, you still really don't know what it is because the first two pay-per-views they've had under Tony Con- uh, Khan's control, was it AEW Part 2? Like, it doesn't stand out as its own thing. It feels like he's going to be able to take quote-unquote ROH championships and give his lower tier, uh, not so much all lower tier, but his lower end people on AEW shots at ROH titles to make them feel like they're relevant. I don't think that ROH is going to be its own separate uh, entity. I really think this is going to be Tony Khan's like, you know what, I need some entertainment, I need some money, let me, uh, Ryan Cage, you're going to get a world title shot at the next pay-per-view. Why? Nobody knows it's going to still take it so it doesn't matter I don't think it's going to be quite that bad but I still don't think you're too far off in the same breath (laughs) yeah it's I mean they've said from day one with Tony Khan that he doesn't hate the idea of this being a basic developmental style I could see that I I I can see parts of that um will it not have any build I mean it'll have as good of a build as AW because he does that build too so there's your own problem with that Right, like now, now CD is going to have two favorite companies. No, AW will still be number one. Don't get me wrong. What do you? What is your feeling on the change 
potentially for Ring of Honor there. Because, like, Red said, like, the honor was good, things like that. It was great. But this, like... I just feel like it's nothing yet. I mean, the first show, Supercard, you can't really count, I feel, because it was already on the cards. Matches were already booked. Like, Tony did it, yes. He, You know, his influence is clearly on it. But that still had touches of the old regimen. This, you know, uh, what was it? Death Before Dishonor was bad. Well, you know, <laughs> you can find a review of it. Um, but it was like still, it's still ROH is just like a thing that doesn't really exist outside of these pay per views and the occasional like AEW special. Once they get TV going, I feel like that's when you can really make a fair assessment of what it's going to be. Mm -hmm. I'm really having a hard time seeing it being like exclusive rosters between AEW and ROH. So I have a feeling it's not going to be that good. I have a feeling that it's going to be very frustrating. Um, but so far, I mean, Tony has kept the pay-per-view names. He's kept things like the Code of Honor. He's kept things like the six-man titles, literally, like, resurrecting them from death. Those titles were, like, retired, and, you know, then they were brought back. So I think so far, like, you know, it's keeping enough of it to where, like, yeah, it still is ROH. It's not just, like, AEW Rampage Part 2. But, like, once you really get that TV... You can really start making the judgment. My prediction is it will be frustrating and will complain. You know, yeah. you know, to prove me wrong, Tony. This is where you can absolutely prove me wrong. I think the best thing is that he's not having the intention to compete with WWE. He's not, you know, it's probably, hopefully, not that worried about the ratings like he is with AEW to where he books illogically to book for ratings. Hopefully, we really get to see Tony Khan try to make a strong wrestling show with Ring of Honor. You know, he might not, but that's at least my hope. Yeah, and, and you mentioned, like, the Code of Honor. I did. I do always like that, and I know Jericho's bucking that trend, which is, that's the story. But I think you're right. We could actually see Tony Khan legitimately as a, a booker of storylines and matches instead of someone chasing ratings. I don't know how good he'll be, but I'm willing to see him try. I, I'm I'm game for that. I kind of want to see what happens. I'm on board. Let's let's go. And yeah, like he did keep the stuff, like you said. He kept the names. He kept the titles. Brought them back. Didn't have to bring in the righteous just to lose, but did. Like he he kind of is doing it the right way, even if he is clearing the deck. He is actually bringing that deck in to be cleared first. So it's kind of like this a logical way that makes everybody kind of happy in that sense, but. Yeah, I guess we'll find out with the TV next year. And I, I presume Death Before Dishonor, or uh, sorry, Final Battle, will end with some kind of thing saying, here's the new one. Like, here's what it is. I presume we'll have something like that. So, uh, Like it's a TV show right now, uh, there's not a, lot, not a lot for me to say. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Fair you guys enough. did a pretty good job. Okay, and to wrap this up then quickly with Halloween Havoc and NXT. Um because Halloween Havoc is this weekend. So again, we don't want to go over like, oh my god, it's all this stuff. Because by the time people hear this, Halloween Havoc will probably have happened. Or is about to, imminently. So, it is looking like a fun one. I enjoy the fact that we've got the name back as a proper show, not just an NXT TV episode. I always liked Halloween Havoc as a name. It's a fun thing, so that's fun. Uh, I really kind of like the fact that NXT UK has basically been main eventing as challengers for the titles the past two NXT shows. Uh, first, you had Tyler Bate, and you had Mako Satamora and Blair Davenport, and now you've got a flip with Triple Threat in the singles. You've got JD McDonough, and you've got Ilya Dragunov, and Alba Fire. 
So, like, NXT UK, yeah, good on that. They're very strong here, still going for it. They haven't won these things, but that, that's what we have here. That triple threat looks insane, I think, with Breaker, Devlin, McDonough, and Dragunov. Uh, Alba Fire might finally be the one to take the women's title. The five-man ladder match is going to be insane per usual. The weapons match with Cora Jade and Roxanne Perez looks fun. Uh, I, that that feud somehow has stretched as long as we hoped it would, even though they only built it after two weeks. But they've pulled this off. I'm kind of surprised by that. And I know I'm forgetting a match. Oh, yeah, Grayson Waller and Apollo Cruz is going to be just like okay. I didn't expect that match, but sure, that'll be fun. But the go spin home, the wheel, make a deal. Spin the wheel, make a deal. Exactly. But then the go home. The go home had what Nakamura come out because uh, D'Angelo paid some money to get. Uh, stacks a match to kind of put him in line. You had Ripley and Gonzalez as the pick your poisons for Cora and Roxanne, and those were fun. You had uh, Kevin Owens hosting a KO show and just be like, screw it, you guys go fight. But then Austin Theory came out with the Money in the Bank title challenging Dragunov who held the belt up. Bear me, you spoke up. I'm going to go to you first. Dragunov held up the belt. Does that mean he's going to win or not? But then Theory's involved. <laughs> what? Now, I know we're part of the FPL. I'm not going to ask for people's predictions or wins or whatever, but what? Um, no, Dragunov will not win, but mm. Theory could. There is a possibility that Theory could cash. I am really hyped about this card, though, because like you said, Scott, Halloween Havoc, it was like my favorite WCW paper. Mm-hmm. So, for WWE to have it, uh, I like that a lot. Red, you watched this and you thought there was going to be a cash in, right? Like in that moment. Oh, within 10 minutes on two different uh, wrestling enterprises. That's right. We almost had two cash-ins. Like, they teased MJF coming out with a referee to cash in. And then instantly the match, or not the match, but the breakdown, the KO show and the beatdowns, and all of a sudden, Fury's music hit. I, I legit thought we were about to have a prize cash-in, which honestly would have been amazing. I Nobody saw it coming. Nobody even thought about it coming. Like, I kind of wish if it was going to happen, they would have saved it till the pay-per-view. Because I think it would have been more of a shot factor than you teasing it tonight. That's just my personal preference. But uh, this feels very NXT Extreme Rules-ish. Like, With all the steps. Four of the six, yeah, four of the six matches don't have steps. And you can kind of count Triple Threat as a step, but no, like... Again, four of them are stipulation matches and feels very fun for NXT because you don't get to have fun like this as often. And I, I know, I, I think this is the first NXT pay-per-view since Triple H took over, is it not? Uh, Yeah, Worlds Collide was right before all that stuff. But, I mean, technically so Worlds Collide of- was, but this is the first with the full build. Same, like Clash was the first, so kind of, sort of. Purely, yeah, uh, with him and Michaels running it, yeah. Um... On paper, I'm not like, ooh, this is going to be the best show. But I know how these these kind of shows work. You go in with low expectation, and they just blow you out of the water. So the Triple H era going on, I think we're going to have some fun at this show. CT, this feels like a takeover. I said it for the last one with Worlds Collide. Same thing here, right? Yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be really fun. I don't know if any match on this card screams to me match of the year. You know, oh my god, this is going to be like the best thing ever but i think this looks like a really fun show well i guess the ladder match will probably be amazing they always are 
Um, but yeah, I think it's fun. I like the stipulations. I like that it feels different. I think the theming of the show is very fun. Halloween Havoc is always like a very fun show. Give us the big pump, uh, pumpkin Triple H. I know yes. you want to give it to us. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. I mean, NXT has always been good. Hot take. It never got bad. Like, um, I don't think it was ever a poor show. I think they had poor matches. Sometimes they had a poor main event scene, but like even in the 2.0 era, I thought all their major shows really delivered. So like, you know, some stood and delivered. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited, but I'm always excited. I've never had a reason to not be excited for these special events. Um, I do laugh that everyone is like on t- Twitter, some people, not everyone, is like, oh, it fails, it sucks because it's not called TakeOver. They really disappointed us again. Uh. You know, I, if you're <laughs> going to say a show is bad because of the name, I mean, good on you, I guess. You know, stick to your um, stubbornness. But yeah, I'm excited. I, I think that because like, there was a rumor that it was going to be called TakeOver. So they're even more upset that it's not. But, I mean, you're upset that they're not calling it TakeOver. They never said they were calling it that, so why are you upset about that? Also, why is that the thing to be upset about? That's just weird, but I digress. Uh, I know to what Red said, too, like, the idea of the shock if Theory came out at the end of Halloween Havoc with the money in the bank, that would be a bigger shock if he did it then, yes. But, like I said last night in our live event chat, which is available through our Discord if you go through our uh, Top of the Card pod and Frontline League pod as well, that's coming up also on the weekend. Uh, I even said in there, it's like, I think this is a brilliant thing to do because now there's even more unpredictability and reason to watch Halloween Havoc. Not that you need it anymore, but they somehow added more to be like, oh my god, is he going to cash in? Like, what? Because that hasn't happened for the NXT title. We teased, Edge teased it with, I think it was Balor and Cross back in, uh, when he uh, won the Rumble is the closest we came to that sort of thing. Like, they, they did that before. But Money in the Bank really hasn't gone that way. And they're treating it like the top title, and GMSG. Austin Theory decided, I'm not going to die to Roman anymore. Maybe this is the way to go. That's a smart move, right? Well, yeah, he doesn't want to get super kicked. He doesn't want the Enforcer to destroy him. Hell, he doesn't want to be destroyed verbally by the wise men or get outshined by the dancing honorarius. I can't believe I just got all that out at once. You did. I'm um, impressed. That's good. That's good. Um, but I'm a little disappointed because I don't think you guys mentioned the match I care the most about, even though I do want to watch the ladder match and the triple threat, the ambulance match. I can't wait to see Creed in that. Oh, God, I forgot. About, I knew there was one I was forgetting about. Was it Creed Julius Creed Camp. versus Damon Kemp in an ambulance match? Yeah. Creed doesn't miss. And just like the Creed 3 trailer, I'm hyped. I'm ready. That looks good, too, yeah. But he's going to have, at least he's going to have presumably Brutus Creed at ringside, right? So he won't be, like, getting fooled like the Creed brothers were. He'll have Brutus out there to help. Okay. Right? I'm not putting out a prediction, uh. but <laughs> I would love if the if Brutus and Gabe Stevenson, just, they just take each other out, and Roddy saves the day. But oh, I yeah. don't know. Creed gets screwed all the time, so we'll have to see. Bear me, what if Roddy came out to the era music? Comes out to the era music with Bob Fish? Like, <laughs> that would be something. The 4,000-year-old man? Uh, yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, yeah, round when the dinosaurs. Because he's not there. signed to Impact. That that he's actually not signed there. He's just there for appearances. So he could, Bobby Fish could show up in WWE. How baller would that be? Yeah. Fish strong and Ace Steel, A little punk. Oh god, the <laughs> undisputed era 2.0. Oh man, that would be great. No, I'm 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 pretty hyped for this uh, pay per view. I mean, every match on this card should be good. I am worried about that ambulance match, but everything else, I pretty much. 
got pretty much think I know what I know. Wow, I'm gonna pick. I got what I know. I know what I'm gonna pick. I think. I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know that, and I'm his tag partner, so that's hilarious. This man just said, "I'm pretty sure." I'm confident. I think. (laughs) Yeah, I'm confident in like most matches, except for like that ambulance match and the six man or five man ladder match. That could go like a couple ways. So two thirds, you're good. Got it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Four out of the six, I think. I, I think I know what I'm gonna pick, but. Those other two could. I could be sweet either way. Yeah, and I think just overall with the way their cards have been, like these six match shows, even the main roster shows, it's been great because they get time. They get time to have fun with these matches, really add something to it so it's not ending like, oh, it's going to go this long. No, it, it's adding. So it's kind of the NXT template with the six match card. It used to be five and four, remember that? But now it, mm-hmm. it just really seems like this is that golden amount the WWE's got. Get ready for full gear with 15 next time. It's, yep, that's going to be a thing, but I digress. It, main show. The main show. Oh, that's true. That, bear me. Thank you for that segue. Frontline mm-hmm. Prediction League is the Frontline League. It's on Twitter. Uh, if you go through that, you can find also Frontline Prediction League on YouTube. That's where Beer Me and I host a show. We're doing one tomorrow night in the trenches. Go through those. You can get to our Discord. You can get into there. You can sign up for the Frontline Prediction League. You can put your picks in for Halloween Havoc. The page is up. By the time you hear this, the results are probably out. But we'll have also Crown Jewel and Survivor Series and Full Gear and all that fun stuff. So go in there, sign up, check out our results, check out our promos, check out the stunt fun stuff for that. But also it's top of the cards Discord as well. So you got our live events in there. We'll be on there ranting and raving during the events in voice chat. Lots of fun stuff with General. There's all sorts of stuff in there. So check all that out. It's a lot of fun. We really appreciate that. And I think I'll wrap it up there, guys, unless anybody has stuff they want to add here at the end. Anything else, CT, you want to add coming in late? I don't think so. I Thank think... you all for carrying the first hour of this. <laughs> ah, somebody had to, right? He steals a piece of shit and needs to leave all the wrestling. Has something come out since this, or is it in general? Oh, just my final thought. Okay. He was released and just needs to stay away. That's fair. Jimmy Shee, anything else? Uh, uh, anything else? <laughs> I don't know. I might drag words. I'm really out of it. <laughs> you say that as I literally drag the words. Got it. Yeah, I know. Well, we'll leave it at that. I didn't even say the word leave there, but you got the point. This is, again, top of the card, top of the card pod. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. It's on Google Play. It's on all that fun stuff. It's wherever you're listening now is where you can get it next time. Thanks again for checking that out top of the card pod is on twitter follow along there as well we appreciate that and like and share and like share this get this out there let people know that these five guys talk about wrestling sometimes go for two hours when they plan for one like this one so thanks for listening to that whole thing for that we appreciate it for everybody have a good night